The fall run of cattle is upon us, and Clint Berry with Superior Livestock is back with us. As today, we'll talk calf, yearling, and replacement markets, but we'll also have an extremely informative discussion on whether or not to wean calves. You know, our data will show you that weaning year in and year out pays, mm-hmm. but weaning's not always available for a producer. It's not always set up to where they can do that. Sometimes they're limited on forage or labor or all the above. And we'll hear his thoughts on the most overvalued and the most undervalued animal in the market market right now. I think right now the most undervalued animal is to hear his response, listen in to this week's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. This is the Working Ranch Radio Show, and I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us here on our program today. This is episode 86, and before we get to talking about what's on our show here today, boy, I will tell you, one thing I am very thankful for is the weather change that we saw uh, across many portions of the country, uh, specifically kind of in the Pacific Northwest and Northern Tier. The smoke uh, out of the fires that were west of us here in Wyoming was was just absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, we've had fires in Wyoming in the past that didn't, the smoke wasn't as bad as what we were getting here the last uh, bit of last week with some of those fires uh, really getting going and the wind in just such a way that it was actually blanketing quite a big uh, part of the country across uh, uh, Idaho and Montana, Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Nebraska, and even down into Colorado as well. So uh, glad to kind of see that uh, moving on along as we talk about weather change as we always do meteorologist Don Day will be joining us at the very end of our program to talk about what we're going to be seeing here in the next couple of weeks. Now for our program today we kind of have a regular joining us here. Uh, Mr. Clint Berry is going to be with us here today. He's a representative for Superior Livestock. Anytime we've had Clint on I always like to visit with him about the markets because he does have his finger on the pulse of the market out there with the volume of cattle that he works with and trades with and producers that he represents and so I like to visit with him. And so as we get into this time of the year, we're going to be not only talking about the markets when it comes to calves and yearlings and, and some of these replacement cattle, but also uh, we're going to have some discussion about weaning because that's also something that I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, do I wean or not this year? Is, is Are we going to get the money back in that or not? And, and and that's just that to me, I think that's probably a dialogue that we, we, we look at every year, but some good discussion that Clint will share with us when it comes to weaning as well. Right now, though, let's take some time and thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Gelvy and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For information, go to gelvy.org. Also, a thank you to Zoetis. Visit inheritprogress.com to request a call with a rep and ask about free TSUs to get you started. Those are subject to availability. Also, speaking of Zoetis, you know, it's the little things that could derail progress, but your herd can be covered. Visit GetLessParasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. The American Akaushi Association experience the difference at Akaushi.com. And Biozyme, it's weaning time. Yes, it is. So for protection and recovery, think Vita Charge by Biozyme. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. 
Well, it's time to check in as we do each and every week with the captain, Tim O'Byrne. He is the publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine. Let's check in with him now for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, all you fans of Justin's Working Ranch radio show out there. Um, Justin, there's some really cool conferences going on in this industry. Here's one of them. It's coming up here actually on Thursday, September 15th in Muncie, Texas, the Caprock Beef Cattle Conference presented by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. And it's going to be at 9 a.m. at the Floyd County Friends Unity Center in Muncie. And the cost is 40 bucks, which also includes luncheon and a free cap. Wow. Uh, actually, breakfast burritos will be provided at 8 a.m. Maybe me and you ought to sneak down there and uh, take advantage, full advantage of free breakfast burritos. Now, here's the topics. Dangers of Johnson Grass Prussic Acid in Hay and Grazing by Rosalind Biggs, DVM, Oklahoma State University Cooperative Extension Service Beef Cattle Specialist in Stillwater. Early weaning, Justin Benavidez. PhD, AgriLife Extension Economist in Amarillo. Low-cost feed solutions and parasite control. Jason Smith, PhD, AgriLife Extension Beef Cattle Specialist in Amarillo. Carbon credit information. Didn't you have a show about that a couple of episodes back? Kate Lewis, PhD, Texas A&M AgriLife Research Soil Chemistry and Fertility Specialist in Lubbock. And ultrasound demonstration by our good friend Tommy Perkins, PhD, Associate Professor of Animal Science, West Texas A&M University in Canyon, Texas. Justin, pick me up. We'll head on down there. All right, Captain. Well, start packing your bags because I think we can be to Texas in no time at all. Now, folks, you talked about a show we'd done on carbon credits. That was last week. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's based off a webinar that the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management put out there. A great program last week. Well, stay with us when we come back. Clint Berry with Superior Livestock joins us as we talk everything from the cattle market to considerations on weaning. We'll be back after this. Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows, others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy to use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we head now into our featured interview here today. And uh, joining us back as he has before on the show when we start talking cattle markets is Clint Berry. He's out of Fort Worth, Texas, but he's a representative for Superior Livestock. And Clint, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You're welcome, Justin. Glad to be able to join you all once again. You bet. Well, as we look at this time of the year, I always like to get you back around here to, to visit with us a little bit because I know you uh, you, you work, work with a lot of producers out there. Uh, you represent a lot, an awful lot of cattle out there. And so uh, it is the time of the year where we've, we've seen some cattle already marketed to give us a little bit of a trend of where this market's going to be at. It seems to kind of dip down a little bit this time of the year, but it picks back up as we head into that fall run. So 
uh, maybe quickly kind of looking back just a little bit. I don't want to dabble too much into that, but uh, this calf market was pretty good on these early summer sales. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, pr- probably even a little stronger than what would have been anticipated, you know, back even in the spring discussions. Uh, we really started noticing it in the June sale when we fired off uh, about mid-June with our, our first of the big summer runs. And and we're actually sitting at our home base in Hudson Oaks, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth here today, um, selling on the Labor Day sale, kind of the last of our big summer runs. But throughout the summer, those we've seen those and yearling prices too we've seen these these cattle just trend in the upward position and you know a lot of times depending on the the type of animal it is and and the delivery windows and stuff we've seen a lot of calves throughout the summer that have sold from you know 15 to 30 percent increase in value as compared to last year um it so it's it's certainly been a, a strong market and a and it's been a very stable steady market through the summer you know those prices have held strong and once again, like say we're we're here in the middle part of September here getting selling calves and it's working that way right now too as well. And it, it's just a been a really nice, refreshing uh taste to see optimism back in the cattle business. Mm-hmm. We we've seen on on all sides, buyers and sellers alike, just you know, it's it's just a little breath of fresh air. It's kind of been shot into the market here the, over the course of the last month. I think everybody kind of sees that, that that leverage due to supply issues as we move forward is is trending toward the favor of the producer, mm-hmm. you know, whether he be a cow-calf guy or a stalker or a feeder, or, you know, the, 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 the man owning the, the cattle is, is gaining the leverage due to, to a, in, you know, our increased demand that we, we keep seeing for the beef, but, but yet on the decreased side of the, of the cattle of it gives us that leverage back in that producer pocket. And that, that, that's dang sure going to yeah. be a, a, a nice shot in the arm. Yeah, you bet. Let's, let's step out maybe about 30,000 feet on this market. And from yourself, not only uh, are you representing a lot of cattle, you see a lot of cattle across the country. And let's just take a look at this, this cattle market just at about a 30,000 foot level. And what are just some of the factors that you feel are giving the leverage back to the seller? Well, we've, you know, once again, everybody in agriculture lives and dies by the raindrop. And, Mm -hmm. you know, drought has been a, from a supply standpoint, drought has certainly played an impact over the course of, say, the last 18 months and continues to. Uh, You know, last, last year, most of our of our uh, northern cattlemen were, were faced with with one of the worst droughts they'd seen probably at least since 2012 kind of era. And a lot of cattle, uh, you know, a lot of cattle had to come early during that time period. A lot of cattle came light. And, and of course, there was, you know, hardly any heifer attention whatsoever, but the guys were culling deep into those cow herds. Uh, and that has trickled as we moved into 2022 that that drought pattern while they got relief in most of the northern area that drought pattern simply shifted south um you know it stayed predominantly in the west but but it's moved into the central southern plains and you know in my travels in august um you know i noticed the 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 impact of the drought probably as far north as severe it probably you know north of say cheyenne casper wyoming area stretching plum out in you know into the desert out going into california and you know there's places that were better than others and worse than others but but that drought pattern just laid over us for most of this spring and summer and it it really affected everything and it, it started in the southern plains last fall because we were so short on wheat bringing them cattle out 
you know, just kind of changed the placement of the cattle coming off early when they did have some wheat pasture to go to, but a lot of calves went right into the grow yard instead of going to pasture. And that, that changed the kill factor when we won the, how those head counts were coming out as we were processing too. But that, uh, you know, I, and I don't know that anybody has the exact numbers, but mm-hmm. I think you could, you could probably pretty conservatively say over the course of the last 18 months, we've probably killed about 750 to a million extra head of cattle that wouldn't have been harvested on a regular basis, which, you know, starts to shift that dynamic on that supply side as we move into the upcoming years. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure as we just talked about the seller's leverage in that from from your position, again, as a representative, that's the, the middleman between the seller and the buyer. From your perspective, the buyers, they've got to have some optimism in this market to be able to put some more value into these cattle. From the buyer's perspective, what are they feeling? Yeah, and and you're exactly right there because they they see it too. You know they're, you know the way this works is, the calves start to creep up in price, so the buyers' input costs go up. Um, and we're we haven't even started talking about corn and fuel, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. just from a standpoint of that. But they're all you can you can see it if 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 you take your seller's hat off and can can pull your calculator out and, and run some break-evens with with comparable cost of gains and stuff and you'll watch and see that these calves that are selling are are not i mean they're not going to break even on the current market level on the live cattle board um there's a lot of these cattle that are that are you know 50 to 100 dollars out you know they're betting on the come on that side too because they know we're going to be short of cattle and, and they're betting on that live board creeping up. We've seen the feeder board get real aggressive, you know, um, pushing into the eighties in a lot of places. One eighties is what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, that live market, while the, the output on the long term looks pretty good, you, you know, up into the mid, you know, mid and upper fifties at times, um, we really need about another $10 on that live board. And, and honestly, you can tell by the optimism out there that, that there's a lot of people that believe that's exactly what's going to happen. So it's, you can see that, that gap coming, you can sense it, that, you know, we're going to run into a time here that we're going to be short on, on fat cattle, you know, mm-hmm. cattle ready to harvest. And, and you're already seeing that in some places where we're just seasonally a little short on having, you know, immediately ready to finish cattle out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not going to hold you to this, but because you, it's as good as anybody's guess. But as we're creeping this market up and we're seeing our cattle numbers, herd numbers, total herd numbers here in the country, uh, less than they've been in, in several years, it does give you an indication that this market's going to gonna be there for a bit. I mean, and again, you probably don't like to do this, but just on an outside, what do you think the run on this market? How many years is this going to be? Well, and probably the best answer, you know, I I thought when we, you know, if, if you look back historically, uh, 11 and 12 drought, mm-hmm. a lot of cattle dead. You, you look back at the big rally in 13 and 14 and how quickly we rolled from from prices trending upward at near the bottom of 12, yeah. dang sure at the start of 13, and they trended upward until we got into 15. And then basically, um, you know, at least through the first quarter of 15, then we started dropping in those values. So that that actually turned quicker than what I think anybody imagined. Yeah. But, but part of that was also due because of the thing that you've got to remember as you look back at those numbers. Part of that, there are similarities to what we're seeing right now, being short of cattle, 
um, having a lot of, of cold cows, a lot of cattle going to town because of the drought conditions on top of a declining cow herd number at that time. But don't forget that so historical was also perfect timing and the fact that poultry and hogs were also suffering at that time. They were short in supply too. So our protein competition was in short supply, not just the beef. And that that made a difference in 13 and 14. That's not necessarily what we're looking at right now. You know, sure. we're we're focusing just in on the beef. But if you do if you do the raw math mm-hmm. and from what I'm seeing right now, there's not much heifer retention going on out. Yeah customers are not retaining heifers you don't see a lot of people developing bred heifers for replacement you can smell that coming and there's you know there's been a lot of conversations about that that you know where is that where's that turn in that replacement female part that bred stock female part you know does that start this fall or not and that's that's probably going to be um most heavily dependent upon the moisture and areas but if if we just forget 2022 for right now yeah, and yeah. we start retaining heifers in 23, then they calve in 25 and that calf is in the weaning pen in the fall of 25. Mm-hmm. So as we start retaining heifers, that puts an even greater pull on that market because now we got less animals standing in the feed yard because we're keeping more heifers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it would be hard for me to see this Uh, without an outside factor that would limit us like from our export markets or something like that uh, with the demand that we've built for beef as a product and the shortage we have on cattle it would be hard for me to comprehend how we aren't going to be in an in an upward market like this for at least two to four years sure and and that might be you know that that might be two to three years and that might be four to eight years that you know it it just depends on how part of that's going to play out yeah um but I, I see dang sure over the course of the next, you know, round numbers, two to five years, three to five years, it, it, it'll be in our favor because of uh, uh, just the cycle of beef production yeah. and how we start to replenish those numbers. You bet. Um, I think a nice other additive to that is, you know, if we learned anything from COVID, we learned how critical our hook space is and the processing side. And so seeing a lot of the these announced added regional or smaller mid-sized packers that are coming in that's going to be a real boost to help with this too because not only will we be uh ramping up some production on those cattle but we're also going to be bringing in more chain space which should translate to more uh you know competitive bids on the live cattle side and that's that's where it's got to come from and so i i think on top of all that even as we start to rebuild that herd a little we're going to have more hook space in the next two to four years as well, just from the announced plants. And, and that's a big benefit to producers. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be, and that's going to be a major difference than probably from any time before in a way. So folks, if you're just joining us, my guest today is Clint Berry. He's a representative for Superior Livestock. We're talking cattle markets here uh, on our show this week. Uh, we've been kind of just laying some base work and some foundation of where we're at in the in the market right now, where we're at uh, foundationally. When we come back, we're going to continue. I want to talk with Clint more about some of the types of cattle, uh, values of some of those kinds of things and where that could be headed to, uh, towards in the future. We were talking about the lack of keeping of replacement heifers we're going to talk more about that when we come back on the working ranch radio show at the american akaushi association we're more than prime 
the American Akaushi Association was created to help ranchers be more profitable and find opportunities when using Akaushi genetics in their herd. We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi, you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I dot com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Today we are talking cattle markets, and joining me uh, is Mr. Clint Berry. He's out of Fort Worth, Texas, but he's a representative for Superior Livestock. Uh, we've got some other shows here on the Working Ranch Radio Show where he has joined us to give us kind of the beat on where the cattle markets are at this time of the year. Everybody's uh, we, we do have a good indication, as we were talking about in the first segment here. Uh, Clint, I want to touch, before we get into some other things you and I were talking about over the break here, really quick uh, is a week or so ago I'd seen a news release coming out that uh, uh, you had referenced uh, the increased capacity hook space capacity out there and I wanted to just kind of throw this out there I'd seen a news article coming out that Walmart was maybe going to invest in the one additional one being uh, built in Nebraska and boy you, it makes you kind of wonder are we going to see more uh, of these uh, grocery chains kind of getting involved in this a uh, little bit more vertical integration in this market yeah, and you know you have to. At least my my simple mind, you know, rolls around to some common sense, you know, economics here. And during COVID issues with, uh, you know, with keeping enough on the shelves, you know, for the first time in probably two generations, you'd walk into a grocery store, and not that they were empty, but but you dang sure had limited supply, and that mm-hmm. that never makes a retailer very happy and you know i have to think that there's got to be a piece of us especially some of those those bigger companies that are that understood the the you know how finite that 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 was and perhaps investing in some of them to streamline the fact that they're front in line on on getting the the product on their shelves first because they're part owners and something like that i I mean it makes a lot of sense to me that that they would invest in something like that for for their own benefit let's not make any mistake i mean it's not out of not saying they mean but it's not out of the kindness of their heart it's it's own self-interest and supplying you know their inputs so that they can provide the business that they need to do to their customers. And and so I, I can definitely see why somebody would step up and do that. And it, it's great to see whether you like them or not. It's great to see somebody come back and invest in the supply chain. Cause that's, that's been our biggest hindrance throughout the whole deal and, and has been for decades is, is that, that critical kill space capacity. Cause it, you know, we, we can only fit so many through the, through the chain mm-hmm. at a time. And, and if we ever want to, have more cattle or if we ever want to have cattle worth more even as we grow the beef demand we've got to be able to get them processed in a timely manner and dead so that that we can force competition on that side and that's that's what's so nice seeing this i mean you you see these announcements in you know in texas and in nebraska and in missouri and south dakota and idaho of of new plants coming online or renovations you know millions and millions of dollars being dumped into renovations on some older plants and you know all of that starts to add up and make a difference and that's that's going to be critically important as we go forward you know don't get me wrong one step one plant you know as a producer you hear things like you know this plant's going to kill 1500 and that plant's going to kill 2500 and and individually alone that's not really enough to change the parameter in the market cycle you know if if you realize that 
on average, you know, the, the bigger plants kill 4,500 a day. Well, you know, it, it takes a lot to change that gap in a week's worth of kill. But when you start combining this, that's where it really starts to make a difference. And it can really make a difference regionally because every one of them that they pull out, that packer's still going to, the, the big packers are still going to have to keep their chains full to run efficiently. And they're going to pull cattle from other areas. So it's a, it's one of the, you know, rising and tide floats all boats kind of scenario yeah. and that's that's what's really refreshing from a producer side mm-hmm. at the first segment we were talking about just purely some of the dynamics that have shaped the market where we see it here in the fall of heading into the fall of 2022 one of the things you touched on was replacement heifer retention so with that in mind what do you anticipate this fall seeing on these heifer prices and or potential replacement heifers that are available you know, and I think that it's going to be predicated so much on moisture in in parts yeah. of the country because you have to understand you have to understand when you're talking about replacement females, it can be extremely regional. Mm-hmm. You know, if so, if you start talking about a part of the country like let's say Montana that killed a lot of extra cattle in 2021, have the moisture and feed. To, to be able to bring some of them back or cashing in on the calves they have this year with an up in, in price cycle, they may have a little stronger, you know, that part of the country might end up having a little stronger replacement female market than, than say Texas is going to. Um, it, it, it's going to be heavily dependent on that because unlike feeder cattle, replacement animals can be extremely emotionally based when, when they're being <laughs> bought. You know, it's yeah. just a, they're figured differently because you're planning on, you buy a bred heifer and you're planning on spreading her cost out over 10 years instead of over, you know, six months as a feeder. So that varies in the August sale. You know, we had a good strong offering of, of some bread stock, uh, you know, bread heifers in particular is what I'm kind of talking about here. And, and, you know, I might be off a little bit, but roughly I think we offered 21, 22 lots of bread heifers. Um, two thirds of those traded were sold. And, you know, those, those heifers, if I remember, they, they ranged from like 1650 to, twenty two hundred dollars and you know and that sounds great and it sounds bad all in one time but there's the kind of variance that we're talking about you know you're you're talking about six hundred dollar spread there which is almost a third of the value of the cattle you know i think it's it's clear to see that there is some interest in those better ones it's just obviously also it's we're at a point it's going to be so regionally based on the moisture content and the and the available forage because you know even even on north where they've got some moisture they they may not be ready after what they had to spend in hay to hold their cow herd together last year to to really be in a place to start growing if it doesn't involve heifer retention so it'll it'll be neat to see what happens as we move into the fall and historically regardless of drought conditions historically as you move into the fall the bread heifer market ramps up mm-hmm. and in my opinion that's generally because of a of a few common sense things as you move into the fall guys have started they've they've probably cashed their calves in or at least got them under contract farmers have got their their crops in the bin or at least have a better feeling of what their income is, is going to look like than they do say in the middle of the summer even if the you're selling heifers that are still delivering in the fall like we do. Um, at the same time, you're you're starting to get into cases where people have started preg checking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, Clint Berry with Superior Livestock is my guest today. We're going to continue with one more segment with him as we talk uh, more specifically. We're going to dial in on this calf market as well as the yearling market as we anticipate and get ready for this fall run. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. It's weaning time, one of the biggest days of the year for you and the most stressful for your calves. Ensure a smooth transition with the VitaCharge Weaning Program. This two-step program with the AmaFirm Advantage gives calves the nutritional boost they need to get through the first weeks of weaning, accelerate appetite, increase weight gain, and improve health. It's weaning time. Get them ready with VitaCharge. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest, if you're just joining us, Clint Berry, who's a representative for Superior Livestock. He lives in Fort Worth, Texas, represents cattle all across the country. And uh, Clint, I, I, let's get now specifically into some of these these markets. We've already seen a pretty good bunch of calves and yearlings sold for the year. We still got uh, a fall run yet to go. And so let's dial down just a little bit on this calf market a bit and kind of what are you seeing just in general in terms of if we were to look at these calves from lightweight, say uh, 400 weights, all the way up to six and a half weights. What's the dynamics and well, what you're seeing in this market? You know, and, and, and that's a, there's a big range in there. Yep. Um, you know, there's been a lot of high eighties, low nineties that, that would sell in those, in those weight range, especially on that heavier end, like you said, four to 600, but, but I've seen them trend as high as in the upper two 80s, 270s, 290s. Most of those are going to be um, third-party verified program cattle when they start to demand that kind of a price, and they're going to be on the lighter weight end of that. But you know, consistently, we're selling a lot of dollar ninety-five to two twenty-five calves, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we, you're still seeing the trends of the more bells and whistles you can offer as a seller to give your buyer options. The better off those cattle are going to compete, and same way on the weaning you know if there's a lot of we, we sell a lot of balling calves with uh, you know what we call vac 34s with two rounds of modified lives two rounds of clostridials and a pastorilla in them before they ever leave the ranch and that's a great calf to get started but you still have losses that are higher than in cattle that are weaned mm-hmm. you know and and those wean calves are still going to draw a demand and they're still going to draw a premium especially in the program cattle because you know when you start talking about those programs if they limit antibiotic use like the natural programs you know those calves that have to be treated that that might have had a lower pull rate if they had at home for 45 or 60 days you know those they have to factor that risk into on those balling calves that, that doesn't make them not valuable i'm just saying that that weaning is you know our data will show you that weaning year in and year out pays Mm-hmm. But weaning's not always available for a producer. It's not always set up to where they can do that. Sometimes they're limited on forage or labor or all the above. So it's, but you're you're seeing a lot of variance in there, and that's where that'll come in. But like I said, when we first started talking, um, consistently we're seeing a lot of cattle trade for fifteen to thirty percent more than what they did last year for the same class and quality, yeah. Yeah. and that's that's an encouraging factor because the reality is, is our input costs are probably that much too. Oh sure, you know marginally wise i mean it always feels good when your calves bring more money marginally wise i i don't know if we're actually putting any more money in our pocket this year than we did last year 
just because all of our input costs are higher. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if same way, whether you're a stalker or, or a feeder or, or a cow-calf guy, if, if we can help control some of these input costs, there's a real opportunity here. But right now, you know, feed and fuel and fertilizer, the, the three Fs are really eating up that added income. Well, and you kind of answered one of my questions I was going to ask you about the weaning thing. I'll get, we'll, we'll maybe talk more about that in just a bit. As we look at these cattle, and I know that's a pretty big range to say 400 to six and a half weights. So then the question on top of that would be, uh, do we, if, if we break that down uh, and we have guys maybe vacillating back and forth, do I wean, do I not? Do I, do I try to put an extra 30 pounds on these calves over a 45 day wean if you can get that done uh, or so? they're looking at that and so uh on these weights of calves how does that break out what are you seeing on these lighter calves versus the heavier calves and the total dollars uh that we're seeing throughout that um that's a complicated question because it (laughs) it varies it varies (laughs) drastically and and the part that most sellers forget is you know a lot of times you'll hear guys talk and they'll be selling calves uh, specifically like in our video system where we're selling them today let's just say for a round number, we're selling a yeah. six weight calf today. Sometimes that six weight calf is delivering next week. And sometimes that same six weight calf that's selling today is delivering in December. That is not the same animal, sure. even though they're both a six weight, that's not the same animal. Everything else is alike because they're going to die at a different time. And if, if you look at the board and you understand like when you look at the live cattle board you see the different variances in dollar amounts projected right now in the different months you start to understand how that month of delivery affects the month of harvest and that affects what the total inputs or total income can be for the guy selling the cattle as fat cattle Mm -hmm. and and that gets really confusing that that noise that static can really affect those price ranges you see on those cattle but in general, I mean, I think what you're really asking me here is, how do I figure as a producer what weaning is worth? Yeah. And, and the reality is, in my opinion, um, I, I'll tell you just historically, you know, we every year, uh, Merck Animal Health and Kansas State go through and evaluate our value-added programs. And they try to break them cattle out and be able to lay out what those what each of those programs are delivering or what each of those practices are delivering. In this case, we're talking about weaning. So that's not really a program. That's a practice. But in general, I mean, 20 years of data, weaning cattle will, will garner a premium over everything else being the same somewhere in the six to $10 range. That's there. There's going to be years. It's more, there's going to be years. It may be just a little less, but I mean, I, I tell guys year in, year out, it's eight or 10 bucks, a hundred. Mm-hmm. So on a six weight calf, at eight bucks, that's forty-eight dollars a head. Now, that may not sound like a lot to wean them, but the then the other kicker plays in, and I tell guys this all the time. Part of the value in weaning is you put more more pounds on the truck. I mean, that's that's part of it. If mm-hmm. if you're weaning calves and they're not gaining weight in your weaning period, then you don't need to wean calves because they should be gaining weight. Now, mm-hmm. they're going to have a, a, a time there in the immediate part of that weaning process where they're going to lose some weight. We get it. That stress and shrink and, and they're changing their diets and they haven't figured out how to eat and all that kind of stuff. And that's why it's it varies so much as to how successful guys are at weaning cattle because we don't all do it the same. We yeah. don't all have the same facilities. You know, some of them pull them off a pasture and lock them in a dry lot and feed them everything they have. And, and that's a lot more stress on a calf than kicking them back out and fence line weaning them yeah. back into an environment they're used to. I mean, all those things 
things play in. You've just got to figure out as a producer yourself if it's worth it. But you, it's not worth it, in my opinion, if you can't put weight on those casts. And that's that's why the other thing that I kind of scratch my head is when I hear guys tell me, well, them calves have been weaned 15 days or 20 days. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you go to the burden yeah. of weaning them and taking on the risk of a health outbreak for 20 days when you don't have enough time to put weight on those cattle? You know, because they're not weaned at 20 days. Mm-hmm. They may not be balling anymore, but they're rooming and the microbes in it haven't changed over to a diet without mother around. You know, they're still a, and from a vaccination standpoint, the tighter levels to build immunization are not right, depending on when you gave those shots. I mean, there's a lot of factors that play into that. But I tell guys all the time, if you're going to wean them for 30, wean them for 45. Yeah. The last 15 days will give you more weight gain than the first 30. Yeah, hit. that's the bonus. You know, right. And that's the bonus because now you get a calf that should be weighing, you know, a pound to two pounds more per day weaned. Plus, you're getting, you know, eight or 10 bucks a hundred over. Now, weaning is worth it. But it's got to fit everybody's situation. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I think it's critical for us as producers to really know what our numbers are, know what our costs are, our daily costs to run them those calves that we're going to be weaning on as well. So I think that's a good point. Uh, yearling market, real quick, uh, as, as we look in the fall, uh, of course, a lot of that yearling market's probably maybe already sold through, but we still got some late yearlings that'll probably be coming to, to the markets here. What's that looking like? that's been really strong. And I, I, I attribute that to, to two factors. And at least in my mind, one is corn costs are, you know, I mean, we're, we're pushing right now, we're pushing kind of cash trades on corn in the $7 range. And most contracts have a big fat six in front of them, not a little <laughs> six, but a big fat six in front of them. That doesn't look very appetizing when you start figuring cost of gains. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of that is, is the fact that, you know, if, if I buy an eight weight, I don't got to feed it near as long as I got to feed the five weight. I don't have near as much corn wrapped up into it, you know, um, especially if they're going, you know, basically straight to feed, let's say going into a grow yard or, or into a finish yard. Um, the other side of it, I think, is a little bit uh, about the unknown, you know, well, it's a little little different risk factor when I'm when I'm picking up a nine weight and feeding it because of the window between point of purchase to point of sale on the live cattle side on the fat cattle side you know and and i think that plays into it too plus you start seeing these differences like what we were talking about earlier about having gaps where we don't quite have finished cattle to meet the supply and demand side of it you know there's some guys trying to guess that market right there mm-hmm. Where, where's the weak spot in my feed yard what months am i short of projected finished weight cattle maybe that's something I want to acquire because when my fat cattle buyer comes driving in my yard and I'm putting together my show list, I'd, I'd kind of like to have some ready to finish fat cattle in every month, you know, from a cash flow and, and revolving business standpoint. And I, I think there's some guys that are, that are also doing that, you know, that know they're short this month and, and, and they can seasonally see that that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, it, it, it's amazing there's never a direct answer to your question. <laughs> I, I know. Well, and, and here's my next question is I think this will have to be our final questions here. And I was thinking as as I was thinking of these questions, uh, he's not ever going to come back on with me if I don't give him a list of questions here because I've spring some of these questions on you. But here's two final questions I'm going to ask you. We don't have to dialogue a whole lot about them, but I think it's it's interesting here and we'll see, see where you're at on this. And I'm going to ask you, uh, first question is, at this point in time, and, and folks, keep in mind, this is a snapshot of today. So what do you think is the overvalued animal in the market? Mm. <laughs> Boy. 
Uh, no, I can I can tell you what I personally feel. Okay, and, and other people may disagree with me on this. Those four four hundred and fifty light five weight balling calves coming in the fall, right in the midst of of changing seasonal patterns and weather, which is not uncommon. You know, I mean, we all get mm. that. But you know, you move you move from a it's hot all the time or it's cold all the time in the winter into a day. We all know this that temperature swings can be 30 <laughs> degrees in a 24 hour period all right that that's 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 hard on an animal already going through stress but those balling calves that are bringing 220 to 250 100 yeah you know you're you're talking about having a, an animal that is primed and perfectly ready to die <laughs> that costs you 12 or 1300 dollars that that is in i mean <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy to see it happen, but if you want to ask me where where I would much rather give you fifteen hundred dollars for a yearling than give you twelve yeah. fifty for a falling <laughs> calf. Especially okay, have one round of shots. You know, <laughs> hey, you're kind of hitting you're kind of hitting my market here a little bit. I better I should maybe yeah. I shouldn't ask that question a little bit. Okay, second question, final question here, real quick. What is the most undervalued animal in the market right now, in your opinion? Oh, okay. So now this is, this is, you're about to see my optimism. Come <laughs> okay. Out. Okay. The most undervalued animal right now is the replacement female. Okay. The, and I mean, I mean the open heifer to develop as a replacement female, because okay. in general, we are still selling heifers, you know, 10 to $20 back of steers. And, yeah. and I know every producer out there is going to hate me when I say this, but you know why <laughs> we are selling them at that price? Because that's all they're worth. Yeah. Guys always look at their calves, regardless of sex, and think it's the same thing because they all got vaccinated the same. They all ran in the pasture mm -hmm. the same. They're all sired by the same bulls. But fellers, <laughs> they're not the same animal. All right. <laughs> um, they don't have the same rate of gains. And they dang sure don't have the same pay weights. That's where a lot of people miss it. Now you can you can get into some terminal based females that are different than this, mm -hmm. but but in general, across the same set of cows, steer and heifer mates, heifers are gonna are gonna cost more to feed for every pound they put on, and they're gonna die somewhere between fifty to hundred pounds less than their steer companions. Mm -hmm. So when I buy a five weight heifer. You know, I may be lucky if she weighs 1250 or 13 and I buy a five weight steer and I'm going to kill it at 1350 to 14 or something mm -hmm. like that. Maybe it's a hundred pounds plus or minus spending on the animal, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that's why those cattle are discounted, which is exactly where they should be if it's in a feeder market. Mm -hmm. But when you sense the optimism that's coming and the decreased in cow herd that we have, I, I think right now that under most undervalued animal is that top end sort of those replacement heifers that guys can't keep or aren't willing to keep right now maybe you know due to drought conditions or something because i think in the short term that's going to make the set of bred heifers that will take the spike and possibly be selling for two to twenty five hundred on a regular basis as as replacement top end replacement bred heifers all right not saying bottom end heifers i'm saying the better end heifers mm -hmm. you bet well clint that you spot on there as far as a good way to end on our on our show here today i sure appreciate you taking the time i know you were in the middle of a sale and i appreciate you stopping and taking the time to, to visit with us here today most welcome sir i'm always glad to be a part and always have fun visiting with you 
And again, my guest today has been Mr. Clint Berry with Superior Livestock. He's a representative for them, and I always enjoy visiting with him because the volume of cattle that he handles and sees on an annual basis does give him a pretty good insight to our cattle market. And, uh, of course, as a representative for Superior Livestock, uh, another method there uh, that does market an awful lot of cattle across this country. By the way, if you'd like to get a hold of Clint, his phone number is 417-844-1009. That's 417-844-1009 is his phone number. Give him a call if you have any questions on this as well. And, uh, of course, you can also find his contact information on Superior Livestock's website, which is superiorlivestock.com. Well, stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day steps in as we take a look at our long-term weather, and we're seeing some weather changes coming across the country. We'll talk about it when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Every little thing is important to cattle producers, from daily chores to parasite control. Just like protection is important to us. Based on approved labels, Valbison Suspension covers 25% more parasites and life stages than Safeguard. Visit GetLessParasites.com for more solutions from Zoetis. Consult your veterinarian for assistance in the diagnosis, treatment, and control of parasitism. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galve and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galve and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Galvey and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to galvey.org. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And can we honestly say, Don, fall is in the air? Can we can we look past these 100-degree days that we just recently had and say fall is in the air? We certainly can. Uh, the pattern change that uh, has developed here over the last few days, especially across the central and western parts of the United States, is really... A, a signal that the summer season is coming to an end. Now, summer ending with a bang with all the record heat and dryness Mm -hmm. over a large part of the United States, the central and the West uh, here over the last 10 days or so. But this type of weather pattern change is enough to sort of disrupt the system and get us into a weather pattern as we get into the middle to the end of September now that is going to look a little bit, let's say, more typical for this time of year. Yeah, well, and that'll be uh, that'll be nice because I'll tell you what, it, I mean, it's one thing to have 100 degree wet heat in July and August. It's another thing when we're in September thinking thinking we could be having snow at the same time. Well, yeah, you know, just a couple of years ago, we had snow in many areas of the western part of the United States and the northern Rockies. Uh, just after uh, or around Labor Day. So uh, it happens. Mm -hmm. But also, if you go back and look in the records, you can find a lot of really hot first weeks of September. And folks have a very short memory. (laughs) There was a lot of the United States that was colder than normal for the month of May and for the first half, really the first three weeks of June. Temperatures in many areas were below average. So I guess Having September have some summer weather really, I guess, should be expected since 
uh, summer actually got off to a late start this year. Yeah, it, it was kind of late. That's for sure. I guess I hadn't hadn't thought of it that way. Well, let's talk about here what we're going to see for the next couple of weeks. We do see some hurricanes, as we as you had said had told us before. We'd gotten through the entire month of August without any major hur- or any hurricanes, but now we do see some showing up, and that is some remnants of that are creating some moisture across the country. Yeah, we're going to see something. Uh, that and has have seen here recently something we haven't seen in a while and that is the remnants of a hurricane going into parts of the southwestern united states the only way that can happen is if you get a hurricane that goes up the west coast of mexico and that's exactly what happened with k now k has weakened breaking up into pieces but those pieces will bring significant rainfall to the deserts of southern california los angeles san diego las vegas parts of arizona could see some significant rain and also importantly cloudiness and that rain going to cool off parts of california and nevada that have had record-breaking heat as well which has really strained the energy grid so that's good news all the way around this doesn't happen very often, but it has happened in the past, and it usually does happen in August or September. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you said, uh, the hurricanes out in the Gulf or out on the Atlantic, that has spurred up some moisture uh, in the southern part of the country, south central part of the country as well. Yeah, uh, we are going to see uh, wet weather continue, especially in the east and the southeast areas of the United States. Now, so far, We've avoided any major hurricane strikes along the East Coast or the Gulf of Mexico, and I think we'll have that going on for a little bit longer. We had been in the last few weeks talking about all the wet weather in Texas. Well, they are going to see, at least for a little while, a drier weather pattern before I think the middle to the end of next week starts to bring rain chances back into many areas of the central and the western areas of the United States. And I, and I do see some opportunities later this month for more strong cold fronts and more tastes of fall. So Mm -hmm. for those of you wanting some cooler weather (laughs) in some areas, you've already gotten it. And in other areas, well, it'll be coming soon. Well, and I know last week we were dealing with a lot of smoke. And then when the cooler temperature came in, that kind of helped to move some of the smoke out. Uh, So I'm sure some moisture in the Pacific Northwest where they're seeing some fires in Oregon and Idaho and Montana uh, would be, is going to be helpful to kind of clear out our air because man, it's, it it was getting bad enough to make your eyes water. Yeah. And really the smoke this summer season in in parts of the United States hasn't been nearly as bad as the last couple. And, Mm -hmm. but we've had a little bit of a late season surge here. And I do think this weather pattern change ultimately is going to help out with the smoke and for those folks trying to fight those wildfires as well. You bet. All right. Well, Don, again, thanks for joining us here, giving us a look at our long-term weather here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Talk to you later. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. A couple things that you'll find on his website will be a link to his daily video podcast that he kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. But also, if you're needing a rain gauge or or maybe a, uh, a weather station of, of some sorts, you can go there too and find out what he's got on his website. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to put a wrap on this week's show and talk a little bit about what I'm working on for future shows here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. We'll be back after this.
Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather weather journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Well, before we head out here today, a couple things. First of all, how many of you have had an opportunity to get through or partially get through your September, October issue of Working Ranch Magazine? I'll tell you what. You know, in the past, I've talked about how so so many of the articles and the things offered in Working Ranch Magazine are so relevant to our ranching industry. And I don't know. I don't know how they could do it. But this issue, I'm not sure, isn't one of the best I've seen as far as some just some very dynamic articles that just hit home to our industry. For example, we're all thinking about it, but there's an article in there on the replacement forecast for 2022. Also, how about retained ownership? Hey, that's thoughts gone through my head there's an article in there about the pros and cons of retained ownership and of course the cattle care catalog is part of this edition as well so full of stuff and i don't want to forget to point out too wadi mitchell submitting a special tribute to baxter black who we lost this past summer so I encourage you to take a look at this latest issue of working ranch magazine and if you do not have a subscription to working ranch magazine if you go to workingranchmag.com, you can get your subscription started today. Also, speaking of the website, a new design has taken place for Working Ranch Magazine's website. Check that out. And by the way, are you following us on Instagram or Facebook? We are. There's some great stuff coming out on Facebook and Instagram. Check it out, Working Ranch Magazine, on your social media. Now, here is what we are working on for future shows of the Working Ranch Radio Show. A while back, I talked about a book I was reading by Steve Cody, who's a low-stress cattle management expert. Look to put together a series of shows with him and hope to bring that to you soon also do you have questions about solar wells well we're going to be doing a show on that as well a quick thank you to our sponsors gelvy and balancer the smart reliable and profitable choice also zoetis visit inheritprogress.com and request a call with the rep and ask about free tsus and speaking of zoetis it's the little things that could derail progress visit getlessparasites.com for solutions from Zoetis and the American Akaushi Association. And with weaning time right upon us, think Vita Charge by Biozyme. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you'd like to get a hold of me, please let me know. If you have an idea for a show or questions that you heard on the show, shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right here, same time, same place, next week week. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.